All right. Happy Sabbath, everybody. <laughs> Glad you guys are here today. Have you guys been blessed so far? Yeah. Amen. I just want to let you know my voice is failing, so if my voice cracks, don't make fun of me. I also want to say this isn't my first time canvassing. So um, my voice, it's kind of going out. It's becoming weak, but I will do my best to speak. If I mispronounce a word, please have mercy upon me. Uh, I believe this is a place of grace. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you guys came to a great seminar. Amen? Amen. However, I really believe the better seminar is the next seminar. And the one after that's even better. And this isn't a plug for you to stay the entire time, but it is at the same time. I just want to let you guys know you guys will be extremely blessed. Uh, I really believe God has led me in this research, and I believe it's going to be deep and it's going to be pivotal in helping us to understand the times we're living in and how we can best reach people. You guys are really close. Is there any way? No, no offense. Um, can you guys go right there? Sorry. I really appreciate you guys. I'm very claustrophobic. Sorry to embarrass you guys, too. All right. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can you guys see? Okay. All right. Well, I want to start with a word of prayer and ask Jesus to bless us with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray ladies, pray, ladies and gentlemen. Father, we just thank you so much for Sabbath. Lord, and you said something so many years ago in Luke. Ought not this woman, being a child of Abraham, whom Satan has been bound for 18 years, be loosed on the Sabbath? God, you tell us that the Sabbath is a time of healing, and it was created as a time of healing and refreshing. Father in heaven, we pray we would experience that as we jump into the history of the Sabbath and the times we're living in. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, real quickly. Um, is it extremely hot in here? Okay. Um, Rohit, can you find the air conditioning unit and just turn it up or turn it down slightly or up slightly, I should say? Either way, the air conditioning working better. That's what I mean. Okay. Everybody have their Bibles? Okay. Very good. Uh, we're going to be jumping into some scriptures towards the end of it, but I want to share a lot of history with you, okay? Make sure you guys are tracking. I don't know how much time this seminar is supposed to be. Who knows? Take your time. Take your time. Okay. All right, um, the guys that I moved aside, can you guys tell me when it is 3.15? Just go like this, thank you so much. As I said before, the name of this presentation is called The Sabbath and Atheism. If you look into the dictionary and the encyclopedia, you'll find so many different definitions about what an atheism is. Atheism has several different definitions. Who can give me one definition of an atheist? Okay, raise your hand so I know who you are. Okay, how about you, young man? Okay, very good. Anybody else? Anybody else can be a definition of an atheist? Yes. Doesn't believe in any God. Okay, anybody else? How about you? Someone that believes in naturalism. Someone who believes in naturalism. Okay, how about you? Finds lack of evidence. Okay, they find a lack of evidence. One more person. One more definition of atheism. How about you? There's no God. Some people view that there's no God because 
because of all of the bad things that happen in this world. Okay. It may be because of their lack of understanding is why they do not believe in God. You know, if you actually take a good look at the word, the word in Greek is the word atheos, which means it's the alpha and the word theos, which means essentially no God. And so there's many definitions about what an atheist is. I want to say something right now to you guys, ladies and gentlemen. There are three forms of atheism, three primary forms of atheism in our world today. The first one is a denial of God's existence. A denial of God's existence. You have people like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, who actually passed away sometime, I believe, last year, who deny the existence of God. They do not believe God exists. But then you have a second form of atheism. It is the denial of God's purpose. You have people like Stephen Hawking and other physicists who say, we don't need God. The universe can actually create itself through the laws of gravity. We actually do not need God. But guess what? There is a third form of atheism that exists in our world today. And this is what a lot of people do not understand. And that is the denial of God's nature. Now, what do you mean by that? There are three words in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Who, know what, who knows what they are? God is what? We find exactly what God's nature is, which is what? Love. God is what? Love. <coughs> Love. And what Satan is trying to do in these end times, he is trying to stamp out his nature. And by stamping out what love is in our world today, he is able to lead, lead people to believe there is no God. Do you remember one of the signs of the gospel at the, uh, and of the end time events in Matthew chapter 24? The what? Of many will grow cold. Love of many will what? Grow cold. And what does Ellen White say is needed for this time? A revelation of God's what? Character of love. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the most dangerous form of atheism, a denial of God's nature. In fact, when you take a good look in our world today, there, are, there were about four militant atheists who were really promoting and publishing atheism, and they're very attractive to the intellectual world. They do a lot of debates. These individuals are all over YouTube, and they're debating about the existence of God. They promote the non-existence of God. Their books are bestsellers. And so when it comes to atheism, we need to understand that this isn't some new phenomenon that has just started recently, but its roots can be traced back to something far more deeper. Something deeper, something that at the very beginning, God intended for humanity. I'm going to read you five powerful quotes from Ellen G. White. Five powerful quotes. Here's the first one. It is a constant witness to his greatness, wisdom, and love. Now watch what she says. Had the Sabbath always been sacredly what? Observed. There could never have been a what? An atheist or a what? Now watch what she says next. Had the Sabbath always been kept, man's thoughts and affections would have been let would have would have been led to him. That's a, that's a grammar, grammatical error right there. Led to his maker as the object of what reverence and worship, and there would never have been a what idolater and what an atheist or an infidel. She says the exact same thing in another context. Now watch what she says right here. If man had always remembered to keep holy the what. Sabbath, there would never have been a what? An atheist or an infidel in our world. But Satan has made an effort to keep God out of mind and has worked his plans so as to accomplish this. 
And having banished God from the memory of man, he puts himself, if possible, in the place of God and even goes so far as to exalt himself above God in compelling the consciousness of consciousness of men, uh, which God has never done. Now, watch what she says right here. Had the seventh day had always been had the seventh day always been kept, there would never have been an idolater, an atheist or an infidel. The sacred observance of God's holy day would have directed the minds of men to their what? Creator, the true and living God. Everything in nature would have brought him to brought brought him to their remembrance and would have borne witness to his power and love. When you take a good look at the beginnings of this world, you find that God actually fabricated the Sabbath for mankind. It was part of his creation. Watch what she says right here. When the foundations of the earth were laid, there was laid the foundation of the what? Sabbath. Now that's extremely important. She says when the world was created, what was part of the creation of this world, ladies and gentlemen? The Sabbath. And we'll go back to that point. I was shown that if the true Sabbath had been kept, there would never have been a what? An infidel or an atheist. The observance of the Sabbath would have preserved the world from what? idolatry over and over again you see that when God created this world the Sabbath was actually part of the creation of this world can you say amen to that yeah. now anybody here ever work on a car engine before okay I used to work on a lot of import cars I'm not even that good of a mechanic I can change a few things but one thing about an import car is that when the manufacturers make the import car it's designed to be most fuel efficient right at least that's the goal. And so when it comes off the track, what the designers have made the car to be is to produce the most amount of miles per gallon, the most amount of efficiency. However, being somebody who was young and foolish at one time, what I did is I took out some of the parts of the car and replaced it. Okay? So what I did is I took out, uh, I added the um, Kena air filter. And you know what that did? The car got a little bit faster, but the fuel efficiency went down. I also fabricated my own wide body kit. I made this car, it was a compact car, I made it even wider. And you know what that did to the car? It began to slow down. And what was so funny is that the car began to rattle because I didn't do it very well. But here's the thing, anytime you take away from what the designer had originally intended from the system, it causes an effect upon the system. Does that make sense, yes or no? So when God created this world, he instituted the what as part of this world system? The Sabbath. And by the removal of the Sabbath, this would lead to breakdown in other systems of this planet. Can you say amen to that? In fact, this is just a, a note. I was reading this book by Scott Christensen called Planetary Distress and the Great Controversy. And you know what he talks about? Do you know there were three curses given in the book of Genesis? Who knows what they are? The ground was cursed for who? Adam's sake. What else was cursed? The woman had to what? She would have some pain, right, as she was giving birth. And what was the third curse? Yeah, the snake would have to crawl its belly. Now, what's interesting is when God cursed the ground, for whose sake did he curse the ground? And what Scott Christensen said is this. 
by mechanized industry, by mass production, by GMO products, what we have attempted to do was lift the curse. And he says what it led to was a sort of lethargy, a laziness that began to develop in human society. It began to deal with uh, mankind no longer being efficient and it began to lead to so many problems that began to take place, all because man attempted to lift God's curse. So we just just an example that when God designs a system, everything in the system is designed to work well. And to change that system or part of that system, it begins to cause an effect upon the rest of the system. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And this is very important because when you take a good look at a very, we'll say, intricate engine, Minor changes to the engine can cause a problem, a big problem to the car. And so when the Sabbath was removed, it began to cause a lot of problems for this planet itself. You know, Jesus talked about the early church. He talked about the 12 disciples and what they would do. He said to preach the gospel to the entire world. Can you say amen to that? Amen. But what was so interesting was that Paul made a warning at the end of the book of Acts. He said this, that when I die, Wolves will come in. And he was talking about false teachers who would come in and they would begin to lead to a downfall of the beautiful teachings of Christ. And this would cause problems. In fact, look what Acts chapter 20 verse 29 says. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. For I know this, that after my departure, what? Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now watch what he says. Also from among yourselves, men will what? Rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul made a very special warning. He says that when I die, there's not a possibility this was going to happen. This was going to happen. He warned that the early church would apostatize and they would lead people away from the truth that is Jesus. Amen. And sure enough, what you find in the early church history, after the last disciple died, two errors were entered into the church. Number one, it was the removal of the Sabbath. It was the removal of the Sabbath. Christianity was combining with the state. A lot of things were taking place. The church had grown beyond organization and there were heresies popping up there, heresies that were popping up here. And one of the heresies was that the Sabbath is no longer relevant and Sunday was being worshiped just like the pagans. But then number two, you had a focus on the immortality of the what? Soul. And that was brought into Greek influence. Now pay attention to this. These two great errors were present in the early church. Are these two errors any more relevant to us in these last days? What are we told about these two errors? Any call porters here? I don't think you guys read the great controversy. Mm -hmm. Why are these two errors important? How are they going to be used at the end of time? Deception. Yeah, I get deception, but what kind of deception? Huh? It will lead to false systems of worship being set up. 
if she, she, Ellen White points out as these two errors will be prominent in that false system of error. But this is very important because you see how it was used in the early church. The Sabbath was then removed. The focus on the immortality of the soul began to take place and the effects began to be felt on the early church. This is a book written by an Andrew scholar. Look what he says right here. The melody of Christ and its creation was silenced in the Christian church early in its history. Disparagement of the Sabbath, as in the writings of origin, went hand in hand with the repudiation of the body and the neglect of the what? Earth. If attention to nature ground almost to a halt, it was owed in part to the fact that the ideological framework to value nature was lacking. The early church began to promote this idea that nature was going to be destroyed, that the human body is just sinful. That's why you need to focus on the mind. And since the Sabbath was removed, there was no longer a focus on creation. And so what the early church began to focus on was just the mind and what they call the soul. Nature began to be neglected. By the way, what does the Sabbath point us to, ladies and gentlemen? It points us to nature's God, right? And as we recognize the Sabbath, we appreciate nature. But when the Sabbath is gone, nature loses its value. Let's continue. Great controversy. For centuries, Europe had made no progress in learning, arts, or civilization. A moral and intellectual paralysis had fallen upon Krishna. The reason being was because nature, science, and the medical work was no longer being studied since the human body was only sinful and was going to be destroyed. The only thing that was going to be preserved was the soul. And so this began to lead to certain tendencies in the early church to the point where they actually begin to outlaw medical science. Belief in the immortality of the soul was a key factor in the Christian estrangement from the material world. This view led to a diminished interest in nature because concern for the body brings no apparent spiritual benefit. The body is only the prison of the soul. Why explore it? The earth has no place in God's ultimate reality. Why study it? And this is what the early church was beginning to believe. Thus, the groundwork was laid for a millennium of indifference towards the body and the natural world. With time, this outlook resulted in unprecedented helplessness in matters of what? Health and disease. People not only lacked rudimentary understanding of health and hygiene, they did not take the kind of interest in the physical world that could have led to insight. And you're going to see how this climaxes. In fact, what's so interesting, when you take a good look at the medical practices, you find simple, rudimentary medical practices were not only being outlawed, they were being repressed. This is a time where they call it the Dark Ages for a certain reason. Medical science had just abrupted to, it just kind of halted, and there was no advancement that was really taking place during that time. This is what one author said. In Christendom from AD 300 to around 1700, all serious mental conditions were understood as symptoms of demonic possession. You got a headache? You got a demon in you. Since illness was thought to be caused by supernatural agents, cures had to be essentially supernatural as well. Every cure was literally miraculous, and these miracles could be effected only by prayer, penance, and the assistance of the saints. To claim otherwise was heretical and blasphemous. Watch what else is said right here. The practice of medicine was monopolized by the church. So laymen who practice it became what? Criminals. 
Very interesting. Then the church stopped certain clergymen practicing it as well. Monastic medicine was prohibited by the Sinan of Clermont. In 1130, thenceforth the practice of medicine was reserved to the secular clergy. A generation later, in 1163, the Council of Tours interpreted the maxim ecclesiast abhorrent as sanguine, I probably pronounced it wrong, the church abhors the shedding of blood as meaning that no churchman could practice surgery. And here you begin to see some dangerous things happening in the world at that time. Cures were still carried out by using exorcism, consecrated bells, relics, biblical readings, holy water, and torture. The insane were still regarded as possessed by evil spirits. When Johann Weyer explained that mental illness was the real cause underlying the symptoms that had been attributed to witches and evil spirits, the church denounced him and his book was placed on the index. He himself was accused of witchcraft and was obliged to flee for his life. Freelance anatomy for original research was illegal. Scientists like Leonardo da Vinci were obliged to carry on their anatomical research in secret. Leonardo's famous writing mirror, a famous mirror writing was used to disguise his findings in case the church authorities found out about them. His notes were not published for more than 200 years after his death. Michelangelo was another secret autonomous. He apparently managed to work some of his anatomical discoveries into his art, including the creation of man, a section of the fresco in the Sistine Chapel ceiling. And did you know that when you actually study the Sistine Chapel, there's a diagram of the human brain there. But a lot of people don't know about this because many of these Renaissance artists and sculptors and inventors were so afraid of the church. The church was suppressing medical advancement all under the instigation of Satan. The devil had led the early church to despise the Sabbath, thus remove any interest in the study of nature, organism, medical research, the human body. And it led to this downfall. In fact, it climaxes at a certain point. Bishops licensed all manner of medical practice and surgery and physics and midwifery, which gave them control of the disciplines. Bloodletting was still the standard treatment for all the manner of ills in the 16th century and would continue to be for another three centuries. In fact, what you read in the very next part right here, you find out that many of the medical advances that we call medical advances that we have records for, they actually existed prior to that, but they were outlawed and they were secretly recorded. And only modern day research has revealed that these these individuals had come up with some of these designs, but because they were so afraid of the church, this stuff was never brought to light. By the Middle Ages, medicine had regressed all fronts in Christian lands. Muslims who came into contact with Christians, as Usama of Shazar did during the Crusades, were shocked by the crudity of their medicine, and it was not only medicine, but public health too. Whereas Muslims adopted public baths and insisted on washing before meals, Christians adopted the view that it was wrong to wash. It was flying in the face of God to presume to clean off his honest Christian filth. Christians were obliged to accept the will of God and the disease and misery that went with it. Queen Elizabeth first was famously said to have bathed twice a year, whether she needed it or not. You can imagine how she probably smelled too. <laughs> Useful research was not possible when the church exercised control. In fact, the church's ignorance often made medical problems all the greater. When plagues and other epidemics swept through Europe, devout Christians gathered in churches to pray for deliverance. Watch this. In doing so, they permitted the infection to spread that much faster and suffered high mortality rates as a result. 
Christians in some French towns can find local prostitutes to leper houses during Holy Week. We can only guess as a consequence of this particular act of piety. So you see all the dangerous things that were taking place during the Dark Ages. You see how medical science was repressed and it took place because two teachings, one of them, the removal of the Sabbath and the insertion of the immortality of the soul. In other words, the only thing you're taking to heaven is your soul. Don't worry about your body. It's going to be destroyed. Don't worry about this planet. It's going to be destroyed. Don't worry about nature. It's going to be destroyed as well. And this began to lead people away from a study and appreciation of what God had created. This is a very interesting placard. It's on one of the ports in England. The Black Death entered England in 1348 through this port. It killed, now watch this, 30 to 50% of the country's total population. Do you know the Black Plague wiped out over half of England? Half of England, an entire country. Half of it was gone through the Black Plague. And this was just talking about England, not rest of Europe. We're talking hundreds of millions of people died during the Black Plague. Well, why is this tied into this? Because watch what one researcher said. We have come to call the plague, which was brought through a merchant ship from Tana in Crimea to Messina in Sicily in the year 1347. The ship contained rats that were infected with the disease. The disease took many forms, the bubonic plague, carried by fleas on the rats, attacked the lymphatic gland system and caused swelling. Pneumonic plague attacked the lungs and was more devastating. The plague called the Black Death went through Sicily to Italy and then throughout Europe and England. It had reached the entire continent by 1350. During these years, the population dropped by as much as 50%. In some locations, much higher. The plague continued to exist in the 15th century and with less intensity in the 16th and 17th century. Why was this extremely important for us to understand? Because what researchers have discovered was that basic medical hygienic principles would have saved millions from dying. Millions. Millions could have been saved. But because of the repression of medical advancements, even the simplest hygienic things were dismissed. Very interesting. Historians of medicine have looked to the prevailing Christian view of the world at that time as a contributing factor. The unfathomable disaster could not be attributed to accident to the prevailing Christian view of the world at that time. Very interesting. Scholars account for the absence of even rudimentary insights by the fact that the universities of that time were under the jurisdiction of the church, which was suspicious of discovery and novelty. Compared to theology, medicine was seen as a secondary science. Thus, medieval understanding was hamstrung by its own most basic belief. By its own most basic belief. And that's why many of these monks would oftentimes practice whipping and hurting the body because they thought by doing so they were purifying the soul. It doesn't make a difference how you abuse the body. It's all about the immortal soul. And this began to lead to the, the focus on theology and the body and medical science was seen as something secondary and something that is not important overall. And from this time, 
From this time, we have a very important event that began to take place at the end of the Middle Ages, something called the French Revolution. The French Revolution. And one of the reasons, the primary reasons why the French Revolution took place was because of all the things that took place during the Dark Ages. The Constitution, watch what Ellen White says right here, she's quoting from an author. The Constitutional Bishop of Paris was brought forward to play the principal part in the most impudent and scandalous farce ever acted in the face of a national representation. So while the French Revolution was taking place, a lot of priests and papists and Catholics were joining with many of these atheists and these politicians who had it up to here with the church and they rebelled and many of them begin just to really proclaim the goddess of reason and she describes one particular priest he was brought forward in full procession to declare to the convention that the religion which he had taught for so many years was in every respect a piece of priestcraft which had no foundation in history or sacred truth he disowned in solemn and explicit terms the existence of the deity whose worship he had been consecrated and devoted himself in future to the homage, homage of liberty, equality, virtue, and morality. He then laid on the table his Episcopal decorations and received a fraternal embrace from the president of the convention. Several apostate priests followed the example of this prelate. Men publicly defied the king of heavens. Like the sinners of old, they cried, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Psalm 73, 11. With blasphemous boldness, almost beyond belief, one of the priests of the new order said, God, if you exist, avenge your injured name. I bid you defiance. You remain silent. You dare not launch your thunders. Who after this will believe in your existence? What an echo is this of Pharaoh's demand? Who is Jehovah that I should obey his voice? I know him not. And from the French Revolution, ladies and gentlemen, thus began many individuals who began to rebel against the God of heaven. Watch what Rabbi Zacharias says right here. Historically, the real growth of atheism is to be dated from the 18th century. The French Revolution propelled atheism to center stage. For many in early modern Europe, religion was an oppressor. Atheism was a what? Liberator. There's an important point to be learned here. Where the churches seem to be on the side of ordinary people, atheism has relatively little appeal. Still, the cultural appeal of atheism often seems to be determined by its social context rather than anything intrinsic to its ideas. Where religion is said to oppress, confine, deprive, and limit, atheism is lauded for offering humanity a larger vision of freedom. And ladies and gentlemen, from the French Revolution began to spring up other vociferous atheists like Thomas Paine and Voltaire. And from that time, you have Charles Darwin and Marx. And then you have individuals like Frederick Nietzsche. And then you have Rich, uh, um, Stalin. And then you have individuals like Richard Dawkins. And here you begin to see that right after the French Revolution began this sequence of men who began to turn against the Bible, who began to turn against God and everything religion stood for. And to this day, ladies and gentlemen, you take a good look at many of the atheistic debates. One of the things they refer to over and over and over again is what took place during the Dark Ages. What took place during the Dark Ages? The repression of medical science. You begin to see so much that took place and what Satan was laying the groundwork for 
was this movement we now call atheism today. Look what Ellen White says right here. That it was popery that had begun the work. Now what's the rest say, ladies and gentlemen? Which atheism was what? Completing. It was popery that had begun the work which atheism was completing. You see what happens when you remove from the system God has set up, you remove a primary part, you begin to see chaos to take place. And not only did this take place on an intellectual level, level, ladies and gentlemen, on a social level was the world affected, on a medical level the world was affected, a scientific, intellectual development, you name it, across every spectrum, when the Sabbath was removed, the world began to plunge in spiritual, mental darkness. This is why the world is what it is today, ladies and gentlemen. That's why God says the Sabbath was what? Made for man. It was part of the original system. And when the devil deceived men into removing it, it led to the condition of the world today. And we need to understand this as Seventh-day Adventists. We have a very important message. Can you say amen to that? Amen. When you take a good look at what Christians are viewed at, ladies and gentlemen, they are viewed as anti-science, anti-abortion, anti-cloning, and anti-stem cell research. This is what Christianity is viewed in in the entire world. But Seventh-day Adventists have a very special message, ladies and gentlemen. We have a message of health. And what does this tell the world? That we care about the body. Can you say amen to that? And this is a special wedge with atheists. When they see that there are a group of Christians who actually believe in the welfare of the human body, they get blown away. In fact, we're told that by the development of our restaurants, our medical institutions, that thinking men would come to these and realize what in the world is going on, and they would want to know more. Why? Because they're getting a different perception of what Christianity is than what the world is really presenting. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been given a very special message for these times. Can you say amen to that? When you take a good look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you see what is said about Jesus who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus did two things, ladies and gentlemen. He healed and he preached. Amen. And if we're going to do what Jesus did, then we need to do those two things. Amen. Not just preaching, but what? healing and you will find through the message of health it will attract the most unusual characters who will never ever come to an evangelistic series and believe me I have done so many evangelistic series in my church and I attract a certain group but I know there are many other groups out there that will never come why because they're not attracted to that part yet but as you share the message of health you will find it attracts the new agers Amen? Amen. It attracts the Indian people. We'll come to that. If there's free medical work there, we'll go. Indians in medicine. That's why there are a lot of Indian people in medicine. We're interested in that. Not just for the, well, mostly for the money, but other things as well. 
But we as Seventh-day Adventists have this message and God wants us to use it now and it will be a wedge with the secular world. Can you say amen to that? These are the times that God is calling us to re-examine the health message. You may think to yourself, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I don't have a degree. Guess what? Neither did Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yet he went about healing and doing good. And what Jesus did, you can do. Amen. God wants to use you in incredible ways. Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this presentation. And Lord, help us to realize that when we take away from what you have originally put in the plan, we are messing up this plan even more. But Lord, help us to reinsert what you have given to us to repair the breach that was made. Bless this group of leaders, Lord. May they know that you can use them in these end times to reach the world for you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.